to glory to glory. The radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Why don't you, if you can, turn with me to Revelation, now to Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. The title of our message this morning is Opposition. Opposition. Many, many years ago, actually, we, we had a, a family open up their home for a weekly Bible study. This was way, way back. Right away, they were discouraged. Actually, the Bible study was very busy. Many people were coming out. The home was packed. And, you know, they were discouraged for many different things. They were worried about the wear and tear of the carpet. They were worried about their furniture. They were worried about things breaking. They were worried about every, you know, thing of that sort. Plus the spiritual warfare. They said they'd never experienced spiritual warfare like that ever before. And it was just so intense. And, and it was funny. One of the nights, you know, they, there were so many people, the door was left open a lot because people were coming in and going out and all that. It was a night Bible study. And, and uh, because the door was left open, a mouse got into the house. And that was it. <laughs> they were like, that's it. We, we, don't, we can't do this anymore. It was opposition. It was, they couldn't you know, handle that. They were like, it, it's not going to work. And so we, we brought this study over to the house that we were already doing the prayer meeting at, and we were already having fellowship at this other house. And so we stayed there, and it was there for the you know, first five years or so until they moved. And, but I'll tell you, nothing, no opposition bothered the other family. And I just want to say, when we are all in for Jesus Christ, we will have opposition. When you are truly all in for Jesus Christ, expect opposition. It's going to happen. I, I had someone once tell me, oh, pastor, you talk about warfare and battles. He says, you know, he told me, I never experienced that. And I'm like, well, you need more prayer than I do because there is opposition. There is an adversary, the devil, that walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And when you are effective for the kingdom of God, when your life is effective for the kingdom of God, expect opposition. So we've been looking at the different churches. We've been looking at Jesus is giving an evaluation for the different churches. Last week, if you recall, we looked at the church of Ephesus. Much was, you know, Jesus said much, you know, good things about that church. But if you recall, he said they left their first love, right? And he, tell them, he told them to remember where you have fallen, you know, turn, repent, and do the first works. Go back, remember? Now the second letter of evaluation is going out, and it's going to go out to the church of Smyrna. And this church received much opposition, and that's the church we're going to look at. So why don't we go ahead and read, starting with verse 8 of Revelation 2 to verse 11. And Jesus says to John to write, and he says, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna, in Smyrna, write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So again, the second letter goes out to this church called Smyrna. I just want to, for note takers, I want to give a little background of the city of Smyrna. 
Uh, Smyrna was located uh, 40 miles north of Ephesus. It was one of the wealthiest and most powerful cities of that region. It was the center, if you take note, of learning, culture, science, and medicine. It was said to be the most beautiful city in Asia. So don't miss that. It was so beautiful uh, that they called uh, uh, Smyrna either the glory or the crown of Asia. It's a, it just kind of st- stood out as a crown. It was just so beautiful. But uh, today it's known as Izmir. It's there in Turkey. So just some little current pictures. If you're a note taker, uh, Smyrna means bitter. And it's related to the word myrrh. And remember when, when Jesus uh, was born, remember that uh, the wise men came to him. They had frankincense. Remember, they had gold. And what else did they have? Myrrh. Myrrh. And, and myrrh, is a, it's a resin, actually. And it's, an, it's used in embalming fluid. And that's what it spoke of his death. So that's why they, they, they had myrrh. Speaking of his death, it's also used for perfume. But I thought it was interesting. Check this out. Myrrh, in order to get the smell, the, the perfume smell out of myrrh, it needs to be crushed. You have to crush it. And a great picture for the church of Smyrna, it, it was crushed. It's the crushed church. It's the, if you're taking note, it's the persecuted church. It, it's the church that was martyred, and they were crushed, literally crushed. And through that crushing, uh, uh, you know, a sweet fragrance of Christ came out of them, and we know that from history. What comes pouring out of you when you're under pressure, when you're crushed? That's a good question to ask ourselves before we get too far. When we're crushed, when, when pressure of life comes, what, what comes spewing out of us? You know, the, this church, we know this church, its history was in Smyrna. Uh, Polycarp actually was, uh, was the pastor uh, during this time. He was a disciple of, uh, of the Apostle John. And it tells us when he was crushed, that uh, when he was uh, martyred, he was asked to renounce his faith. I just want to read He was asked to renounce his faith, and he said... Uh, he renounced Jesus. He said, for 86 years, he says, I've served, Je- I've served Jesus. He says, he has not once denied me. How can I deny him? And if you know Polycarp's story, remember they put him uh, on a stake to burn him to death? And if you recall the story, the, the flames wouldn't burn him. They were just kind of leaping over his head, and he, they, he wouldn't burn. So they thrusted him with a spear, and his blood was pouring out, and his blood extinguished the fire event. And finally, he just bled to death. But under pressure, he says, how can I deny my Jesus? 86 years, he's been faithful to me. How can I deny him? And the the sweetness that came out. And my question is for us, you know, what comes out of us when we're under pressure? I know sometimes garbage comes out of me. And when that happens, the Lord allows the pressure in our lives to, to surface things out of us, not to you know, show us how bad we are that we'll just you know, walk away and say, oh, see, I'm not a Christian. I'll surface us to say, God, take this away. Forgive me. If you deal with anger under pressure, anger is going to come out. If you deal with worry and fear under pressure, worry and fear is going to come out. But God wants to, again, he wants to take that, he wants to skim that off of us. As it, it's, it's boiled up to the top. He wants to, you know, he wants you to recognize it and say, Lord, this is sin, take it away. And he'll just skim it off the top. And then the process continues. And then he'll surface more stuff. And he'll just skim it off the top. And there's more stuff. But the last thing you want to do is to, to try to justify why you're doing what you're doing and make excuses for those things. Well, that's the way I always am. Well, it's their fault. It's, it's, it's their fault. Guess what? There's always going to be someone that you can say it's their fault. The best thing to do is point your finger back and say, Lord, where's my fault in this? 
How can I change? The church of Smyrna were crushed like myrrh. And as we're going to see, they, out of them came the fragrance of Christ. Goodness came out. But look back with me if you can. Verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. First and the last. This speaks of the eternal character of Jesus Christ. He's the first and the last. It's the title that belongs to Yahweh, God, the, the Lord of the Old Testament even. And, and he's taking the title and saying, I am the first and the last. That's pretty powerful. That's a, a powerful statement. Jesus is saying, I'm one with God. I'm eternal. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. He's the eternal God. And he's comforting this, this martyred church, this church saying, you know, I was dead and I'm alive. I live forever. Don't fear. I'm with you. I'm on your side. And I live in heaven. And you too will come live with me. And I think it was a comfort. But check this out. A good place to take your Jehovah Witnesses friends, if you have any Jehovah Witnesses friends or any that come your way, check this out. I, I want you to turn there with me. Turn to Isaiah 41 if you can. Isaiah 41 verse 4. Isaiah 41, 4. It says, who, who has performed and done it, calling the generation from the beginning, the generations from the beginning. He says, I, the Lord, am the first and with the last, I am he. You ask a Jehovah's Witness, well, well, who is this speaking about? They'll say, oh, that's Jehovah God, right? And you'll say, oh, that's right, that's right. So then take them to Isaiah, go to 48, 12. And it says, listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called, I am he, look at this, I am the first, I am also the last. And ask them, well, who is that? And they'll tell you, that's Jehovah God, that's God, right? And you'll say, that is right, that is so good. And then take them over here, Revelation. So turn with me again, Revelation 2.8. It doesn't take long to do this. You can even put little markers in there and bring them over here and then ask them this. This will get them, okay? Go to this and just say, okay. And then it says, and, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last. And you'll say, well, well, who is that? And they'll say, that's Jehovah God. And say, well, we'll keep reading it. Who was dead and came to life. And you say, that's Jesus, right? And they'll say, yeah, that's Jesus. Well, guess what? They're eternal, both of them, existing together, the first and the last Existing as one. It's a great place to take those that don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is one with God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him. Through him, nothing was made that was made. He existed forever. He was there at the very beginning. Nothing was before Jesus. Nothing was before God. Nothing will come after them. They will reign for eternity. No one's going to come in at the last minute and say, well, scoot over. I'm the new ruler of the house. That's never going to happen. It's powerful stuff, guys. But look at verse 9 again. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, God's evaluation. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Smyrna and Philadelphia are the only two churches that receive no rebuke at all. There's no rebuke for them. All the other churches, there's a, a rebuke. But these two churches, God has nothing but good to say about them. He's saying, you, you're, you, I know your poverty, I know what you're going through, but you're rich in my eyes. I have no rebuke. But check this out, I know. Right at the, in verse 9 there, the, the I know, it's, it's one word in the original language, but it has a dual meaning. It means, check this out, it means to see and to know. And it's the, the Latin word is video, video. 
it, it's, it's like I'm recording this. I'm watching this. I, I'm paying attention to everything that's taking place. I see what you're going through. I see your tribulations. I see your troubles. I see the crushing that's going on. I see the, the persecution that you're going through, but I'm right there with you. I'm not missing it. He's current. I know last week we looked at Jesus is walking in the midst of his church, and we looked at he's not just standing there. He's not just standing there just watching. He's active. And it's so awesome on Tuesday night. Uh, come and join us. We're going through the book of Genesis, and uh, Pastor Dave is teaching. Please. It's just, I mean, how wonderful. We've got the Tuesday night book of Genesis. We've got Sunday morning revelation. We've got the two bookends and explaining it our best, everything in between. But it was so interesting because we're there in chapter three and it says that, that God was walking in the midst of the, the garden. He was walking in the midst with Adam and Eve, but sin separated them, right? And then we see that because sin separated them, God no longer is walking with us. But guess what? After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now Jesus, where is he? He's walking in the midst again of the church. He's in our midst. He's current. He's with us. Get an amen for that? Amen. This was so awesome. Tuesday morning I was... During my devotional time, I, I take the, the scripture literally to husband, wash your wife in the water of the word. So I read, I read the word in the morning, nighttime. Depends whenever we have time, but usually it's the morning, sometimes night. But we were in Genesis chapter 22 in our devotional time. And uh, if you know, Genesis 22 is talking about Mount Moriah. And something stood out like never before. I'm looking at this Mount Moriah, Moriah, Moriah. I'm like, that's a pretty name, isn't it? And I says, you know, I, I know, you know, Mariah Carey. I said, that's about the only, I says, honey, do you know another Mariah? And she says, no, I don't. I says, you know, I don't know another Mariah. And I said, no. And I says, man, I said, why don't more people call their children Mariah? That's such a pretty name. And it just stuck with me. And I'm just like looking at that. And I'm just kind of pondering it and standing out. And then I had uh, time with the pastors uh, on Tuesday mornings. We spent a little time together. I opened up to 22. We read the chapter, kind of expounding on it. And we, Mariah comes up, Mount Mariah, and says, hey, guys, I just, I want to know, you know, do you know anyone named Mariah? I said, that, that's such a beautiful name. And they said, no, you know, I don't even know what they were just like, oh, I don't know. And they said, well, it's spelled differently. I said, no, it doesn't matter how it's spelled. It's just a beautiful name. Check this out. We had to go to the bank in our lunchtime. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> they sent us, instead of two big packets of, of checks, they only sent us two books of checks, you know, where they charge us the same amount. And so we had to go in there and say, hey, listen, you, you, you messed us up here. We didn't order just two little things. We ordered, you know, the whole thing. We need to rush order some checks because we're out of checks. And the lady says, okay, Joseph will be with you in a minute. You know, just sit there and wait. And so we're waiting, waiting. I even went to the, the hardware store, did a little shopping, came back. My wife's still waiting. I says, honey, we're on lunch break. We can't wait anymore. So I told the manager, sorry, we got to go. She goes, no, 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 wait. I'll bring somebody else. She brings a lady in. She says, hi, my name's Mariah. <laughs> and I says, Mariah, we were just talking about you. <laughs> God is so current. And I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm sitting in the chair looking at this girl thinking, I am totally blown away. And she's probably looking at me like, what do you keep looking at me for? I'm like, I'm just blown away. And I told her the whole story. I says, it's the craziest thing. I just said today, I don't know another Mariah. And here you are. So we're doing our transactions. They're, you know, shipped overnight. You know, the things they, they didn't charge us extra for, blah, blah, everything's going good. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm just going to walk out this door without telling her about Jesus. 
Because I believe the love of God is so great for Mariah that he put that name in my heart and, and, and put it in such a way that he would say, Mariah, Mariah, check out that name, check out that name, because I know you're going to be standing and sitting down right in, at her desk in a couple of hours. So I said, Mariah, I need to tell you something. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, to take your sin away because we're all sinners. And I shared the gospel because I knew God wanted me to talk about him. And that's why he prompted me. We have a current God. He says, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. It's, it's, I see, I know, I'm intimately, intimately involved with all that you're going through. And I want you to be encouraged today. Maybe you don't have these Mariah stories. Every, I wish I had Mariah stories every morning. But when I do, I'm reminded that we have a God that's so current that he knows everything about us. How does he do that? I have not a clue. How did he prompt me to be so excited about a name, Mariah? I don't know. But I know he's current. And he's with you, and he knows what you're going through. He knows what Smyrna's going through. They were going through heavy tribulation. They were going through heavy persecution. And he says, I know. I know. I know your works. I know the good that you're doing for me. I know the poverty you're going through, but I say you're rich. Don't listen to the world. Word tribulation, if you're a note taker, means pressed, pressure, affliction, literally crushed, like the myrrh was crushed. In Smyrna, there was a temple there that was dedicated to the worship of, uh, at the time, Domitian, the emperor. And once a year, the citizens of Rome, they were to go to, to Smyrna to, to take a pinch of, of incense, and they would offer a pinch of incense on, you know, in the, as a burning offer. They would burn incense to this so-called Lord or God. They would call the emperor God, Lord. And they would get a certificate. And the certificate would, would basically say that you performed your religious duties because you're worshiping the Caesar, telling you know, the emperor that he's God and he's Lord. And you get your wonderful certificate. Well, the Christians in Smyrna, they didn't want their certificate. They wouldn't say that he's Lord, that Caesar's Lord. They refused to say Caesar was Lord. And because of that, they were persecuted. Because of that, they were put in prison. They were killed. Many of them were killed for their faith. They were persecuted. Synagogue of Satan, just so you understand, hopefully you understand what this means. I believe it means that the unbelieving Jewish people that were there, they were persecuting and coming against the Christians because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they were, they were called the synagogue of Satan. In other words, you, you go to a synagogue, but guess what? You're ruled by Satan because you're coming against my people. They're not Jews. It was blasphemy. They weren't truly seeking the true and living God. Do you know that the church is being persecuted today in some ways like never before? Do you know there's an estimate, and this is a very low estimate, an estimation of five, every five minutes a Christian is killed for their faith in the world. Every five minutes. That means by the time this service ends, 15 of our brothers and sisters in Christ will be killed because of Jesus Christ. They'll either be beheaded, crucified, buried alive, shot, or burned to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, 
I don't know if that moves you, but it, it moves me. As we sit, and I, and I don't, you know, I just think, of, you know, we sit in our comfortable seats, we sit in our comfortable homes, and, and, you know, that's where God has us. He has us here. We're to be effective here, and this is what we're supposed to do. But do we stop and really, truly realize that our, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ are right now being tortured for their faith? It's happening today. I have an article, I, a news article, and I want to read some of this to you. Most of you, hopefully you know this, but I'm going to read this to you. And it's the article, as you can read the headline, says, Every five minutes a Christian is martyred for their faith. It says, Every five minutes a Christian is martyred for their faith. An organ, organization for persecuted Christians has claimed, according to Christian Freedom International, more than two million followers around the world currently face persecution. Two million. Two million of our brothers and sisters, they're facing persecution today, saying that making Christian the most persecuted faith group on the planet. It says Christians currently face persecution. Listen to this. Out of 196 countries, 105, 105 are facing persecution. I looked at that and I'm like, there's no way. There's 196 countries around the world and out of that, 105 of them are experiencing persecution. It says that this organization said, it's calculated that more Christians have been martyred for their faith in the 20th and 21st century. It says alone, it says, it has been calculated that more Christians have been martyred for their faith in the 20th and 21st century alone than during the, the previous 19 centuries combined. In other words, the 20th and 21st century, more people are being martyred for their faith than all the other centuries, 19 centuries before Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ was, was crucified, more so in these last two centuries. And it says, most of the persecution is taking place by the is Islamic militants. And it says, is the Islamic State are systematically, check this out, they're trying to stamp out Christianity by crucifying men and women and children and destroying churches. The Islamic State in Iraq is using, listen to this, and I hope you know this, they're using Christian churches as torture chambers. And they're forcing Christians to either convert to Islam or die. Islamic State militants are also stripping the former places of Christian worship of ancient relics, which, is, which in turn, they smuggle them to Western collectors to help fund their terrorist activities. So they're taking the relics and they're selling the relics so they can fund their, their terrorist activities. And if you read the news and you've been following any of this, young children are being beheaded, young children are being sold as sex slaves. They're crucifying men, women, and children all around the world. The church of Smyrna lives today. We don't see it in front of our eyes. We can only see it when we, we watch the news. Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. When the church is persecuted, I believe they have so much grace God is with them in such a special way. Jesus is saying, don't fear any of these things. You're going to go through some difficult times. You're going to suffer, but don't, don't fear any of it. Even though you're going to get thrown into prison, don't fear that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. As I was looking at this, I, I noticed, and hopefully you noticed, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to take away the tribulation. I'm going to take away suffering. I'm going to take away oppression or uh, opposition and pressure. I'm going to take it away. He doesn't say that. 
And I hope we realize that as Christians, as we, we really follow. I, I think what happens is people get disillusioned. You know, they're, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go start seeking the Lord. This is so great. And then opposition comes. Trials come. And you're like, I'm not going back to that church. I don't like this, this tribulation. I don't like this opposition. That's not what I signed up for. Who are these Christians? He doesn't say I'm going to take troubles away. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.